If you're a coach of any grade, then you've got to be on coachingtoolbox.co.nz. It's got skills, drills, warm-ups, and even strength and conditioning programs. And the best thing about it is, it's free. Coaching Toolbox, online and Facebook. Check it out. Welcome everyone to the Coaching Toolbox podcast. I'm your host, Scott Waldron, aka Scooter. Each week, we're going to be talking to people from all levels of the game to give you an insight into coaching, along with plenty of tips and tricks to help you with your coaching journey. This week, I am very honoured to have a a guy who's had a bit of influence on me in my earlier days when I first was playing uh, first 15 rugby, and now uh, currently getting to do a little bit of coaching alongside him again, so uh, quite a bit of a history there, but uh, Tim Mannix, welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Scott. Looking forward to it. A little brief uh, overlay on your playing career. Geez, nah. my playing career, well, started um, probably as a seven-year-old at Hutt Valley Marist and uh, uh, then went on to, I guess, play a bit of college rugby at St Pat's Silverstream. And uh, after that, went down to play rugby at Petone um, from, a, from a club perspective and then uh, went on to play a few um, rep teams. Uh, Wellington Lions being probably the main one, so had a pretty good stint there with playing 70-odd games. So... Yeah, after that I uh, went over to Ireland and had uh, six years at a club over in Ireland called Old Belvedere and uh, then that was enough, I'd, I'd had enough by that stage and uh, came back home and started to look at coaching. Coaching, well that's it, so I guess first question is is what made you get into coaching? Obviously um, I think my, my records show about eight years at the Lions, so you know, quite a decent stint um, with them, uh, involved in the very first year of Super Rugby um, with, with the Hurricanes squad and um, yeah, like you said, so you went over overseas, come back, and then then what what got you into the coaching pathway? It was probably um, my first opportunity uh, was through St Pat's Silverstream. So uh, my old coach asked me to come in and, and give a bit of a hand, and that's where I obviously met you. So um, that was probably my first taste of it. Um, to be fair, I probably didn't think too much of it at the time. It was just a case of coming back to help out the school and. Uh, I probably got a little bit more focused on it uh, when I was over in Ireland. So um, when I was there, there was opportunity for for paid coaching roles just at at different uh, secondary schools over there and uh, also with a a university team. So that's when I sort of started to think about it a little bit more. And um, the other thing which probably swayed me or got me into it was uh, my eldest boy was just starting to come into playing rugby. And and, uh, like many parents, I, I was keen to sort of help out where I could. So that sort of gave me another um, experience in that coaching area. So probably those two things got me going. Um, and then when I came back to New Zealand, it was um, uh, after my stint in Ireland, it was a case of um, I landed a job, uh, a rugby development role, which had a coaching aspect to it as well. But um, um, yeah, so, so those were sort of the foundations, I suppose, of my coaching. So, so to get a, a coach development manager role, is that, um, did you do, what sort of study did you do to, to get into that role? Uh, to be fair, not a lot. <laughs> I, think, I think it was more they were looking for experience rather than qualifications. Uh, prior to me leaving for Ireland, I, I did start a, a coaching diploma, uh, but um, I didn't, wasn't able to complete it. So I, I'd kind of already sort of had a bit of a think about coaching as an option. And, uh, but by the time I came back to New Zealand, I was um, not so much qualified, but I was experienced, I suppose, and that was perhaps a thing that 
allowed um, me to get my first opportunity in, the, in that uh, coach development or rugby development space. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the original coaches were just based off experience mainly and guys who had sort of played the game. Um, and nowadays you certainly see a massive change in it and it's more about how to coach rather than actually what you're coaching. And as you've gone through in, you know, in seven years as a development manager for Wellington Rugby, have you seen big changes along how, how coaching's actually done? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a real shift um, from coaches just having, you know, that technical, tactical knowledge that you spoke about, and and it's trying to be uh, more engaging, create good learning environments, um, and trying to work on those soft skills of coaching. So that that's certainly been the change that I've seen with um, what's been offered by whether it be New Zealand rugby, Wellington rugby, um, and what we're even trying to do down into. The, with the community coaches at Small Blacks level is, is trying to give them those soft skills um, so that they can create really awesome experiences for the players. So, you know, it's it's great to have that technical, technical knowledge, but you've got to be able to transmit it or, or impart it onto the players and in a way that they understand it and, and can learn from it. And uh, uh, so so that's really important. And the other aspect, I suppose, is, is this idea of um, the great learning environments or great team culture. So, you know, there is a looking now at how we do that better because uh, you know I think um, the old days uh, when I was certainly playing uh, some of the environments were pretty harsh and uh, some of the coaches had a pretty direct approach with you and, and today's generation is certainly different um, on many levels and, and I think we've got to um, as coaches we've got to be able to engage them better and uh, the, the players that is and, and, and really uh, appeal to what they, what it is they're there for. Mm, I guess that's, that is the key, isn't it, is making sure it's enjoyable to keep the players playing and keep the numbers in our game. We'll take it back a little bit, and I, I might be a little bit of a sore spot, but so in the Hurricanes squad um, for the inaugural year, um, didn't actually get an opportunity to get on the field. Uh, when, when I first sort of read that, I was like, Jesus, that must have been a, a really tough experience, and certainly these days there's not you struggle to find a kid that could actually handle sort of not re really getting any game time. Did that, did that have any influence on your coaching on, and you decided to, because you are very much a, a, play, a player-based coach, um, especially at the moment, so you know, is that something that influenced you in, in your coaching style? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that was a pretty um, pretty big experience, you know, that did shape my coaching, for sure. I, so I, I started to sort of think about um, when I did start coaching, how I would uh, look at, you know, treat the players and how I would um, try and, um, I guess, keep them all engaged and involved, which is a tough job. And back, and back then, in my year, where I, where I didn't get onto the field, there was no subbing. So it was, it was in some ways, expected that I might not have got a game, but um, um, I, I was kind of hoping that I'd at least get maybe one opportunity, which didn't play out. So, yeah, for me, it did, did impact me how I, how I look at um, my coaching and... I really do come from a, a player sort of perspective and, and really try and make sure I can I can really, um, as best I can, meet their needs. Uh, and I think what I've, what I, my view is that the players, they want to play the game. So, and and with subbing now, we, you know, we've got to make sure that, um, and, and with squads, we've got to make sure that our players are constantly getting that time uh, because otherwise, you know, I, th I don't think a lot of great learning happens just only on a training field. You've got to get out there into, into the game and, 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 and see what's working and what doesn't work and where your skills are at and what you need to work on. So, yeah, game time is a big thing around my coaching. Um, 
So I'm really mindful of always uh, sharing game time, whether that be at junior level and even at first 15 level, um, how, we, how we work that. And there will be games that we might prioritise uh, selection on, but um, you know, it's, it's still keeping the guys that are in those um, uh, backup positions engaged and going and developing. So it's, it's, I'm really mindful of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I can sympathise with you. I think my year, first year of Super Rugby, I played 15 minutes the, the whole year. And you know, for me, it was um, it was honesty with players, and that's why I always try to you know put that into my coaching. As you as your players know where they stand and. And the, the more they understand, you know, the better they're going to respect your decisions as a coach. Um, and, and, you know, um, if you are honest with a player, you know, you tend to find you get a bit more out of them, don't you? Absolutely. I think that's a great trait. And, yeah, certainly, um, I, th I think it keeps everybody aware of what's going on, you know, and and, and I think that's a great way to, to start your relationship with your players. It's been really um, upfront. Yeah, so I guess on, on that honesty thing, um, and you know, I always found my best coaches were the ones who were honest with me, you know, that year, did they keep in touch with you? you know, did you know where you stood, or was it kind of you just had to wait to see whether you were going to get on or not? There was a bit of communication, uh, and I, I, I actually expected to get an opportunity somewhere along the way, uh, particularly when we went to South Africa, but things did change. I, I think there were uh, players that were trying to push for higher things with the All Black selections and I think uh, that, that might have impacted the the coaches, you know, making a bit of a change of plan. So I, I, I did get communication but it was probably um, not the communication I wanted, <laughs> particularly when I got told um, I wasn't going to get a game in South Africa, that was pretty uh, upsetting. You know, it was certainly, I actually thought I was going to get on the field um, in South Africa so that was tough. Um, but I, I suppose if I look at coaching now, um, I think the coaching back then was very old school and the coach didn't have to tell you a lot and um, just gave you what you needed to know and it wasn't relationship-based relationship coaching, which is probably where a lot of people are trying to shift to now, which is getting to know your players better. Um, you know, I don't think we had a lot of those sort of conversations back then. Um, but, you know, I, I was aware of where I sat um, and... It was probably just a tough message in South Africa getting told I wasn't going to get on the field. Yeah. No, there's more, more uh, connection there. I've uh, been in that safe situation myself. So, um, And we've touched on this in previous episodes. We've talked about that holistic style of coaching and you know creating that, that bigger bond than, than sort of just off on the field and what they're actually doing with their players. What are some of the coaches that sort of um, really connected with you as a player and you felt got the best, best out of you? Probably thinking back to it, I really enjoyed my time with a New Zealand coach over in Ireland. Um, uh, his name was Steve Dodds and um, a bit of a character, but he, he, he always valued the off the field um, as well as the on the field stuff. So he was really big into that relationship piece and uh, getting to know his players. And so he was he was a guy that I really enjoyed. Um, I've had a lot of other good coaches probably through my club days at Batoni, um, some guys there. Um, Alan Clout, Alan Hewson were probably two guys that spring to mind. They were really uh, people focused. They always interested in what was going on in my life and just to get an understanding of who, who I was and, and also some of my drivers, you know, what, what kind of got me excited about the game. Uh, so those guys, I, I think, did a good job in that space. Um, there's probably others. Um, my memory's not always <laughs> the best. Um, I also probably enjoyed my time at school with um, Father Mark Walls and Mark Guppy. They were two guys 
that also really took an interest in us um, off the field and um, and uh, really connected with us. So that was one thing, you know, one of the probably best uh, experiences I had was my first 15 rugby at, at school. And th those guys really did take time to get to know us. They probably, probably because we were at school and on site, they, it was natural that they would get to know us a lot. But um, yeah, so those are the coaches that I, I valued with the guys that did, did go that bit, bit further and got to know you a bit more. Mm. Yeah, well, you and, and Mark Walls have certainly had a, a massive contribution towards Silverstream Rugby. And, you know, he, uh, what, you coached back in the, the famous year of 88 when uh, Silverstream did so well. And, you know, and then you've come back when I was, uh, my last years, when your younger brother was involved in Silverstream and, and Mark Walls was back again coaching. And then now you've come back into Silverstream. And how long have you been back there again for now? So this is my fourth season there now. So I, I got back involved partly because my sons were there at the school. So uh, my eldest boy had been there a few years before and um, an opportunity came up to coach. They usually always had teachers coaching at St. Pat Silverstream and never advertised. So uh, they all of a sudden I saw this ad um, somewhere, I think it might have been on a website, and saying they were going to have uh, applications for the first 15 role. So, uh, yeah, I, I had two boys, uh, one boy at the school and one coming along, so I thought, oh, I'm going to be at the school one way or another, so why not get into a role and help out? And, and the other thing for me was about giving back to the school. I really enjoyed um, enjoyed my time um, at the school, both with the sports and also with the, just as a school in general, with the people I met and everything. So for me, it was a chance to put back in. No, definitely, and you're certainly doing a great job of that in Silver Street, you know, going really well at the moment. So I guess let's really focus, we'll focus in on the college rugby and, and how that's changed. So how much has that changed from, you know, back when you were playing to where it is now? Yeah, almost unrecognisable in a way. Um, uh, I think when I was there, it was, it was a pretty sort of simple um, operation. Uh, we got ourselves really, really fit. That was probably... Um, one thing, we probably did that as a team to be fair, so we, we probably trained more back then than what we did, uh, what we do now as a team. Um, so we used to do fitness sessions, which um, I don't do much of now, and, and that's probably uh, not, not so much due to that I don't value fitness, it's more around just the time um, and other areas that we've got to uh, get busy with. So um, the game was, was I think, um, a little less uh, simplified, and uh, uh, you know, we worked at, on our set piece and um, our breakdown stuff and we just sort of followed the ball around pretty much as a team and uh, so the game was quite simple. Now the game through, and, and I think it's largely through the professional game has become more structured. Uh, so defences are structured, attacks are structured uh, and there's a lot more different things and, and, and structure you can coach. So it's a case of sort of selecting what's going to work for your group and um, certainly now we, we spend a lot more time on, on that structure side of it. Um, and you know we've also got things that are coming now like video analysis, um, which is you know something that's interesting uh, to help for us as coaches I suppose um, grow our players better. We can sort of see where their strengths and weaknesses are. So so that's sort of a real big change. And so a lot of time for me is, is now spent looking at, at footage and and sort of sharing that with players or sharing it with the team and trying to you know create more awareness uh, around that. Um, so I, th I think the game really has evolved. Um, it's really, really different, um, but uh, still exciting. The key concepts of the game are still the same. You know, good team rugby is um, what we're all trying to play, and we were certainly trying to do that back in, when I was uh, playing back at stream, we were always, in fact, we were really strong on this team 
uh, focus and really trying to play good team rugby because we didn't have a lot of stars, so it was really coming together as a group. And now with the structure, you actually need um, good team play again. You just need everybody to connect in and um, do their role in that structure to help create the opportunities to score and play. So, yeah, some things haven't changed, but there are sort of uh, certainly more time for me as a coach now spent into areas that certainly um, the coaches back when I that I had didn't really have to go into. Do you, do you feel that the rugby like obviously there is with the video analysis you know it's now live on TV you know, on Sky Sports and everything you know there must be a massive increase on pressure on kids these these days at high school level compared to what it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think some boys that are certainly aspiring to uh, play professionally or, or or you know try and hit that pathway really. Um, are wanting to do really, really well, and 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 some of them, you I can see it uh, are really starting to do a lot of uh, gym work, get their diet right, um, take their recovery really seriously, and and so they're really starting to uh, get professional as a as a as a young player, and and so I think uh, some of them you know realise that, that um, they're getting viewed all the time, so the selectors coming to games all the time. Uh, so for us, it's the Hurricanes under under 18 selectors coming along to watch our boys. Um, there's even player agents, so I'm getting always get calls at the start of the season. Who are your boys, and uh, who who we need to keep an eye out on, or so, or sometimes they already know the players, and so they want to come in and uh, contact the boys, which is something that that creates that added pressure. So for us, sometimes we try and. Uh, work with the boy and, and the parents and what do they want right now, do they need this right now. So sometimes we're trying to put that off uh, until after the season um, or, or at a time that suits the player because, uh, you know, as you say, the, the pressure um, doesn't need to be there. And I know a boy we had last year didn't want to talk to anybody until the season was over because he just wanted to enjoy the experience, which is um, pretty much what we're hoping to that they do. Yeah, because I mean, college rugby certainly is a special thing for you know a traditional school. You got you know your big six traditional matches, and you know with your whole school there supporting and you know cheering you on. And you know there's, there's already a, a lot of pressure with just that. You know performing well for the school, and you know trying to trying to um, carry on the the rugby tradition that your school has. So having these added pressures certainly must um, put some of these kids under some some huge amounts. You know, have, have you seen it really affect and have it actually have a negative effect on some of the kids? Yeah, I, I, I do see that, and some of the boys do um, do struggle a little bit with that. Uh, we, we've had a couple of players in the past that have really um, perhaps not hit their potential because of the, that. It probably wasn't external pressure from um, uh, from trying to make a higher level, but just the, they did want to perform well, but they just weren't able to kind of channel the, the emotions they were having in a way that would help them. And, and so some of them, for me, probably didn't quite hit those levels that, of their potential. So yeah, it really does, it does translate onto their performance sometimes, which is um, what we're always trying to do, I, I suppose as a coaching group, is trying to, um, where possible is trying to, with our messaging is to try and remove that pressure and, and just talk and process. So just, you know, we just need to do A, B and C when we don't sort of focus on outcomes, which I think sometimes the boys, when they do get outcome focused, you know, that's when they sort of start to internalise a lot of stuff. So, you know, it's just sort of, you know, focusing on the little steps that we need to get to get to the finish, you know, and, and, and that's, yeah, I've, I've seen a few players really struggle through that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's not, not just the rugby, they've got the, the you know, ed education stuff, exams, um, 
everybody teenage years are always a, a tough time so yeah it's it's certainly a, a tough age group to to train and to coach so I guess what what are some of the key messages that yours giving out to to these other coaches in you know rugby and the other sport coaches that are dealing with high school kids I think a big thing is getting to know your players really well is you know that that that's I think is a really good starting point I, I think uh, um, knowing a little bit about what's going on in their lives um, you know their families and everything is, is is gold I think if you can you know get some of that information what other interests they have um, even why do they play the game and what, what what do they enjoy about the game I think those sort of things uh, are a good sort of foundation to have and from there you know I think you can then start to understand what they're there for and, and, and that, that gives you a really good starting point as a coach on how you shape and design uh, the environment for the individual and, and for the team so um, I think that's that's really important um, I, I, th I think uh, my view and this is probably more comes down to my coaching philosophy is, is letting them sort of drive things and I'm just there to kind of just keep them on track or, or just maybe adjust the, you know, if we're going off course or whatever so it's really having them drive um, the direction of the team so and that way it's not me dragging them somewhere it's it's, it's them you know full steam ahead. Mm, definitely and I guess the other thing around your coaching I've noticed um, is as a head coach you're really good at allowing the other coaches to do the coaching you know you're not over there telling them what to do the whole time as much as sometimes the head coach we want things done our way but yeah. is, is that another one of your your key drivers is, is actually letting your assistant coaches coach and giving them the the belief in their own abilities to to um, control the players absolutely yeah I, I think we've all got to um, play our role and and if you're in the head coach role like I am at the moment um, yeah you've got to step back and allow the um, the other coaches that I'm working with to come in and own their stuff and uh, yeah so you know I, I like it that way um, and the other thing is is that we are a team and um, I think to get the best out of the team um, I need to do my bit and, and some of the stuff that I need to do is actually more off the field uh, and then you know by having the other guys on the grass doing their stuff it just frees me up a little bit you know it doesn't sort of overload me so I think it's a good thing uh, both for um, me as a head coach to have the other guys stepping forward and really owning their stuff and uh, and then it also allows them to grow and um, get into their coaching and, and they're all passionate about it so I don't want to st stand in front of them they're all really keen to sh share what they've got and uh, help the boys as best they can yeah and coach overload's definitely saying we need to people need to be aware of isn't it I, yeah. I know we can get in the habit of uh, of putting a little bit too much onus on ourselves and, and not letting others um, be involved. If you're a coach or a referee, then you'll know about Rugby Smart, New Zealand's injury prevention program. But did you know that all the resources like tackle and scrum techniques can be found on rugbysmart.co.nz? It's also time to brush up on how we treat injuries and recognise concussion. Remember, as coaches, it's our job to keep our players safe. Rugby Smart, online and Facebook. Yes, yeah, so I guess one of these big changes now is is scouts and, and you know professional teams uh, looking for players. You know, what does that actually look like to a, for a coach who's never had to deal with that and all of a sudden might be now taking a first fifteen and having these types of people come and contact them? Yeah, what, what has happened in the past for me is I've had lots of phone calls and emails just all of a sudden um, <laughs> pop up. So obviously they want to introduce themselves um, when they discovered on the head coach they wanted to maybe form a relationship with me so um, generally it's a coffee catch up somewhere and just they 
sort of tell tell me what they do and how they um, operate, and then often from there it, it might be identifying some boys that um, they're interested in. So sometimes they've already seen us play, and, and so they will have an idea of these boys. And um, uh, and in some other, some other situations they might be asking me who I feel the boys that are capable and got that potential for that uh, step to the next level. So there's a bit of that player identification goes on, um, and from there. It's, it's a case of if, if they're wanting to make contact with the with the player, and generally they like to go through the parents, so it, it's um, which is nice to know that they're involved in the parents because I think um, um, parents do need to be involved at this this stage. So um, they generally like to use um, myself as a contact person to, to the parents, um, uh, just I think just to keep it um, slightly formal, I suppose, and and avoid sort of you know sidetracking them. Perhaps a you know a nice process about it all, but it does it does create um, a little bit of extra work for me as the head coach sometimes, uh, sometimes having to reply to extra emails and um, and go to extra meetings. But I I understand it. it it's where sport is at the moment, um, and uh, you know I think uh, you know a lot of these young guys in year thirteen are now uh, certainly the talented boys are, are getting um, approaches from agents um, either directly. Um, or through the official team coach uh, making a connection for them. Because it's not even just rugby, is it? It's, it's other sports agents that are coming and approaching you, isn't it? Absolutely, yep. So we've um, had a couple of boys um, sign with league um, just in the last uh, year or so. So, yeah, they're, 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 they're watching. Um, and I suppose that's the nature of uh, social media these days. Uh, the boys' highlights are popping up um, all over the place. That's, that's the other interesting thing I notice is um, so there's a real awareness of your players um, extensively throughout New Zealand, so um, and beyond potentially as well. I'd suggest uh, so th that that um, obviously helps the agents identify who's who's who and uh, and starts that process off of um, player identification for those higher higher contracts or those starter contracts, academy contracts, and things like that. Does that put more pressure on you as a coach? Especially like, do you think, oh, geez, I need to make sure this guy's getting, you know, game time and you know, being seen, or you know, I've got to really keep an eye on this guy and make sure he's looking after himself so he, he does, you know, reach his potential. Not, not really. I, I, I think the agents or the the scouts they they're pretty accurate with who they think is 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 on the money, and a lot of those boys are, are quite self driven, um, and I think. Uh, I don't have to do anything extra for them. I, I don't probably treat them anything different from the other boys in the team who are just um, there for their first 15 experience. Uh, so it doesn't create anything extra, but it, there is um, sometimes um, players wanting to get more information. Uh, sorry, player agents wanting to get more information on them, and uh, and it does become sometimes if the players are pushing back. If the players push back, then then it can become a little bit tricky because they're they're quite wanting to be the agent that makes that connection because uh, obviously there's a few agents out there I think from based on the communications I've had so I think they, they sometimes get a little bit anxious when there's a player going really well and he's not wanting to talk to anyone um, so they get quite persistent <laughs> at that stage and, and that can be a little bit niggly. Have you, do you find a little bit of um, when coaches from other sports sort of start contacting new players, you start thinking, oh no, don't go, don't go there, stick with rugby. <laughs> yeah, we have got some multi-sport boys. Um, although, I suppose we're lucky in that the sport at, at St Pat Silverstream, the the 
priority one is rugby, and so most of the boys prioritise that over, say, basketball. So we've been quite lucky. Um, there have been some boys that have done both sports because I think the timings generally work quite well. Um, but, yeah, we, we seem to do OK in that space um, with rugby at stream. It's just after stream legend. Yeah. The Warriors are pretty good at picking up a few of them, I know yeah. that. So, um, I guess the, the last topic I really want to cover off is around the school kids and there's certainly been a big shift maybe at the, the under 13 level you know we've had North Harbour Rugby have now you know disbanded their, their rep teams um, my understanding is Wellington aren't doing an under 13s this year you know we came from probably an era where you know you were trying to make rep teams and you know that was what that was your goal that was what you were striving for and kind of helped push you and you know I think I played just about every you know rep team coming through and you know that was sort of the the carrot at the end of the the stick there for you uh, at the end of your season. You know, what are the pros and cons? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you do you think maybe we're we're robbing some of the the talented kids off an opportunity to to push themselves higher? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There are uh, pros and cons. I, I, I think the the positive side of, of rep teams is it is extra development for those and extra challenges for those um, players that are selected. So. Uh, which is cool, and I, and I think um, that, that that really is, I suppose, the purpose of the teams, and that's probably what they were set up for. Uh, I think, I think what it is tricky, the tricky part about it, or perhaps one of the cons, is is that there's a lot of players missing out on rep teams, and uh, those late developers, and rugby is a game for late developers, um, sometimes can be disadvantaged, uh, and because they're not getting those extra opportunities, sometimes the gap between the players that are making the teams and the players that are missing out starts to widen. And some of those players may opt out of rugby potentially, I think, or opt out of rep sport or, or out of the sport. And then um, that that that's, means loss of players. Whereas if those players perhaps were still engaged, they might sort of come to, come become good players later on and uh, uh, come through and um, you know be those late developers. So. I think, um, yeah, that, that, that's a real challenge. I, I, I'm not sure where it's um, where it's all going to land. I, I, I'd like to think that they could run some programs that are a bit more inclusive. That that's probably where I see the f future around trying to still keep development going because you want to keep players developing, uh, no question. And that's but you perhaps want to develop more players. And, and so, I think there are some programs. If I, I'm looking at within Wellington, that you could easily uh, restructure and. Um, uh, frame up and you can really sort of get more player development happening for more players um, because there's no question the, the boys that do get, get in these rep teams or the ones that have got in the past have had some cool experiences and everything and they do develop but um, we're not always identifying the right players at the right time and there's a lot of players that do make these rep teams are, the only reason they've made them is because they've uh, developed early physically and they're just bigger than a lot of the other kids and um, so those late developers, yeah, we need to look after them as well, I think, and that's that's probably what, why I think some of these rep programs have been um, uh, dropped out, I think. Mm. You know, it's definitely not a thing just for rugby. Um, my son now plays uh, football, uh, to many people's uh, amazement, but uh, yes. Yeah, so oh, it's a good game, it's a good game to <laughs> get, some, get some skills, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he plays football and, and from you know grade nine they do, they grade them and have a, a top two teams and, and um, you know, you see these teams go off and they play the bigger tournaments and, and play the harder teams and you, there are a lot of parents that do complain, you know, you are seeing a gap between them as the, the years carry on and like you see, you, you do see the numbers drop off. If um, if we take away the rep teams, is, is there a worry? We, we might have the old um, 
parent coach sort of stepping in and, and really driving their kids to, to get to that elite level if that's what they, they think their kids had and, and pushing them maybe a little bit more than they would have. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, yeah, it could have <laughs> that, that adverse effect with um, parents coming in and sort of trying to direct things a little bit more. Uh, I, th I think that's where the sports have probably got to design a solution. And the solution for me is, is sort of development programs that create opportunities uh, for more kids. Um, I, I think that's the answer. Um, you know, within Wellington, we've got a couple of programs that run at under 16 level, and they, they even do a junior program in the pre-season. If they, if they gave those a little bit of a design tweak, I think they could really get some better stuff happening. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, uh, again, have more people there and more uh, opportunity for everyone. And, and, and the other thing for me is, is probably growing, growing the capability of the coaches um, uh, at the same time. So it's, it's you know, you can really uh, develop something powerful, you know, I think, um, and build that base. Because I, th I think the bigger the base, then you're probably going to start to produce really good players. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think you're on to something. No pressure, <laughs> but we might have to check back in a little while and see what you've come <laughs> up with. Eh? Yeah, I'd love to get involved in something like that. I, I've, I've, I've got some ideas, um, but... Uh, Need some buy-in from a whole lot of people, and that's that's a challenge in rugby. Is to make change, you need a lot of buy-in. Yeah, I guess uh, one other difference you might have noticed is uh, the kids certainly have a lot more highlight videos. I don't think we ever did in in our days, and I guess that's part of um, you know the whole social media and the growth of that and player recognition. You know, I know at um, Super Rugby level they talk to the players around that social media and you know the, being in the eye of the public. Do you have to do that at college level now? Yeah, we have in the past mentioned it. Uh, so, yeah, some of the boys, you know, I, I think um, like to engage in social media clearly, and uh, so we have we have sort of tried to encourage them to be thoughtful about what they post, uh, particularly when you, they might be talking about other schools or other players from other schools. So it's really uh, been smart around that. Uh, we do probably come at it from a different angle, where we um, have some values within the team which we try and. Um, uh, work too. So one of them is really around respecting the opponents and um, opposition and everything. So we really are mindful that um, you know we want to show that and display that. So that that's sort of from that perspective. Um, and we do encourage the boys to um, off the field. You know, socially they get up to all sorts of things as well. Is, is to be really sort of smart about what they're what they're doing on that social media front. It, it's um, you know, there's a lot of oversharing going on these days and um, and you know we, we do want to make sure that they sort of um, are smart around that and um, try and uh, I, th I think it's, it's aligned to the school values as well that, that they you know it is respect for others and uh, and staying humble you know um, which is another key part of it as well so yeah, yeah important yeah. I think uh, I think you're right and you even at a hot you know uh, college and high school level these days you're representing something so yeah, that's certainly something you've got to be mindful of and, and make sure the players get a, an understanding well as well. All right, Tim, well, you know, thanks a lot for coming. There's uh, a lot of information there and um, some really awesome stuff. You know, I think we really um, covered what I wanted and hopefully um, our listeners um, you know, got some good learnings out of it and will apply that to their own. So appreciate you coming along, mate, giving up your time and uh, always a pleasure being involved with you. And I guess I'll see you at training in a few hours. <laughs> thanks, Scott. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, really enjoyed the chat.